Welcome to episode 87 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. Now, this could be a movie, TV show, anime, manga, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, whatever we need to do, and then we come back here and we discuss it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle Springer. Hello, hello. Hi, Kyle. How are you today? I'm doing good. I completely forgot i i i had a question to ask you <laughs> this morning like right away you were gonna be like and i'm joined by kyle springer and i was gonna be like melissa let me ask you this and where I, were you the night I, of the murder I, yeah where yeah where were you the night of the murder <laughs> melissa's even your real name <laughs> it's Marlissa. I've been lying the whole time. No. No, I I completely forgot what I was going to ask and now I'm in a panic to be like uh, uh, do something. <laughs> that the song and dance. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you start panic tap dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm having a fine week. My memory's in perfect condition, almost perfect condition, because I went to another trivia night last night and I won it. I have won both trivia nights I've been to this week. Nice. Won a bar trivia and won like a church basement fundraiser trivia. Okay. But there was one fact that they asked and I knew I knew it and I could not think of it. And we had a mulligan sticker, so we got the point anyway, but I was just like personally upset with myself that i forgot that the name of the tiger that attacked siegfried and roy was named montacore because i was asked this and i'm like i've got this way back in my head i know the name of that tiger and i could not summon it in time so i pass this on to you in case you ever need it your back's against a wall somebody demands of you what was the name of that tiger his (laughs) name is montacore Montecore, Montecore, don't hurt me! Oh God! <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Uh, Melissa, we are starting our kind of unofficial holiday coverage. Yeah. <laughs> um, we decided to watch Gremlins one and, and two. Gremlins two, the new batch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your history with this film? These are some of my very favorite films. I would rent these from Blockbuster all the time as a kid. I bought them on Blu-ray as an adult. (laughs) I like Gremlins 2 a little bit more than Gremlins 1, and that's one I've returned to more often. I think because Gremlins 1 is a Christmas movie... It like I don't put it in my regular rotation, and there's so many other Christmas Can't movies watch to watch at Christmas, Christmas. Like I miss it some years. It's like, well, I got to Scrooge, I didn't get to this. But I have caught it like a couple minutes at a time on like ABC Family Freeform mm-hmm. over the last couple years. So, gotcha. I knew it well, but had not seen it in a couple years, and it was really nice to go back and watch the entirety of both of them back to back. I don't think I'd ever really double featured them before. Okay. Gotcha. Um so I I've never seen these ones. What I, the heck did you think? I so I have a vague memory. <laughs> I think it was about g- 
gremlins <laughs> that one time when I was uh, visiting my cousins out in Montana, this was like, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. they had gremlins on VHS, and I think I, rem- I remember seeing it and thinking it was a horror film. And like being like, these people are supposed to be scared of these things. Therefore, I should be scared of these things. So I just like never watched it because I'm also not a big horror fan. And so yeah, it 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 was like, well, I guess that's one that I'm never gonna watch. But here we are. So you as like a a ten or eleven year old was like. I'll never get to that level. I I will never be brave enough for gremlins. Yeah. Not at any yeah. point in my adult <laughs> life. <laughs> exactly. That's not going to be me. Uh, <laughs> but no, th- this was a lot different than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I can't say I like either of these films. <laughs> <laughs> they might but, be an acquired taste, yeah. But I... I think I had fun watching them, and I'm mm. kind of amazed at the satire of the, <laughs> the, the whole thing, because yeah. these are absolutely satirical f- mm. f- 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 films, especially the first one, since it's a Christmas story, but mm. the s- second one really drives it home with just, like, you're inside this big corporate building that's also kind of a mall yes and it's like it's all about like buying things and capitalism and stuff and here's these gremlins which are like the opposite of that (laughs) it's like let's just ruin everything capitalist here (laughs) (laughs) it's funny Mm -hmm. i had fun i'm glad you had fun these are I've always really loved them and sitting down and watching them again. I'm like, yes, there is truly a big part of my heart that is labeled very clearly gremlins. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Well, let's see. Let's do a synopsis. Start talking about our general thoughts and all that stuff. Then we'll do uh, what we always do. Do housekeeping and then get into Spoilers. So Gremlins the First uh, was directed by Joe Dante, came out in 1984. And it's the tale of this uh, young man, you know, like kind of like college age man, just, you know, living at home with his parents, working at a bank, dreams of getting out of the small town, being an artist. And his dad is a traveling salesman and brings him back this mysterious creature that he bought at a shop in Chinatown. And it's this cute, like, little Furby type of guy named a Mogwai. And his dad's mm-hmm. like, now, son, uh, these are, there are rules that you have to follow when I give you this mysterious creature that the, the old man told me. Never feed them after midnight. Never get them wet. And do not expose them to bright light, especially sunlight, because it will kill them. And over the course of the movie, all of these things happen. And we learn that when you feed a gremlin after midnight... It can go into a cocoon state. When you feed a mogwai after midnight, it can go into a cocoon yes. stage and come out as a gremlin. It goes from looking like a cute little furby to this like green, scaly, you know, mischievous I goblin. I remember what thing. I was going to ask you. What? 
Who would win in a fight? A Mogwai, Baby Yoda, or a Furby? Now is this, are you talking about like which one is the best or like an actual fight? Like an actual fight. Okay. (laughs) Furby, who knows what powers they contain. I, I, I just remember all the urban legends of like, oh, the FBI is spying on you through your Furby. Yeah. Because they listen to what you say and they can like repeat it back to you, which yeah. I think is the limit of their powers. But like <laughs> metaphorically speaking, big dead eyes. Who knows? Who knows what's back there? Mogwai. Gremlin is um, Gizmo, which is the name of this particular Mogwai. Very cute. Very capable. I don't know if he's really holding his own super well. Baby Yoda has the force. Like you really can't argue with that. So I'm afraid it would have to be Baby Yoda. Like nobody else can like I doubt that a Furby can like make something levitate in the air. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. I think I I think I would have to go with um well I I would say Baby Yoda. Yeah. Clear winner. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Sorry for, for the ta- tangent there. You yeah. mentioned Furby, and I was like, light bulb, there it is. So when a Mogwai, um, it eats after midnight, it turns into a gremlin. If you get either form of it wet, it sprouts more of them. They Like these little, like, ew, like it grows, like boils out of its back. And if it's a Mogwai, mm-hmm. then it pops off and it makes like other cute little Mogwai. And if it's a gremlin, it makes like, you know, there's these boils and they like burst out of them like, ah! and then there's like more yeah. little baby gremlins. And then, you know, you kill them with light. So these creatures get loose, run all over Billy's small town on Christmas Eve and they have to destroy them. And then in Gremlins 2, also directed by Joe Dante, came out in 1990. Um, Billy and his girlfriend, fiance Kate, are living in New mm-hmm. York City. They work at this giant super building it's like stories taller than the empire state building it is like a super high-tech completely automated office building it's got like lab space and tv you know television studio producing space and a mall and everything is inside this one mega building and all the gremlins get loose there and it's just like they go outside of it, but it's almost this kind of neat bottle movie where it's all this chaos happening inside of this one building that contains everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one cuz it it definitely so the first film to me has a more classic film feeling. Yeah. Right? Like it feels like a a Christmas story. Like mm. that m- m- movie. Yes. It f- feels like those movies from the 60s and 70s where it's about a nice family. And yeah. you, you, you know, the m- 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 movie is hoping to teach you some, some good family values. And mm-hmm. there's a moral. And then the second movie is very definitely an 80s movie. <laughs> right? It like, yeah. it's, it's, it has the like, weird futuristic but like not 
style. <laughs> yeah. To do yeah. it. There's lots of like silver and it's very corporate <laughs> and it's it's just <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, I, it it looks strange. Yeah. But like a good strange. It's like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, <laughs> I I've always I love the second one more than the first one because of that setting, because of that giant weird like 80s conglomerate like high-end slick business building that they're in that does have everything in it like they go Mm -hmm. to a science lab they go to all these people's offices they go to like a tv recording studio and they go to like a tcby (laughs) that's also in this mall yeah yeah um so you you mentioned you like the second one a little bit Mm. more i i think i have to agree uh, Joe I'm Dante, the lie. director himself, also agrees. I read that on IMDb. He's okay. like, I like the second one a little more. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I had a thought run through my he- head on the first one, uh, which was just, what were they smoking? <laughs> who said yes? To making this film. That's what I want to know. Like who gave the final say like yes. We are making this film. This is a film that needs to be made. And what's wild. Yeah. The first movie was written by Chris Columbus. Who went on to make Home Alone and Home Alone 2. And the Goonies. Harry Potter the first one. Yeah this is Harry Potter the second one. He produced the Night at the Museum films. Like he's made a lot of like. You know, maybe a little offbeat, but like good, solid, warm family entertainment. And his original script for this movie was like, yeah, well, the gremlins uh, chop Billy's mom's head off and they kill Mr. Futterman and all of this stuff happens. And they're like, "Okay, walk it back a little bit. Now you've got it. Joe Dante, (laughs) you've got uh, Steven Spielberg, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, the whole Amblin team. They all join hands and they're like, this is the movie we will make. Yeah. We're going to make one of the movies that helps incur that like it's this uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And I think maybe there's another one that's thrown in there as like the Red Dawn. Like these are the movies that like made the MPAA say, we need something between PG and R. <laughs> like, if it wasn't for Gremlins, we might not have gotten PG-13. That is its mark on history. It's, like, way too scary for a kid's movie, but not quite an adult movie yet. Perfect for me as child. I watched this yeah. when I was, like, six or seven years old. I adored these. Perfect for me. There you go. There you go. Uh, I don't think I have really anything else to add uh to the like plot synopsis stuff uh so let's get into housekeeping yeah um first of all you might have noticed that melissa's camera is getting bigger and smaller if you're watching the video version it's doing it again it's doing it again i don't know why new computer there she goes new setup yeah, uh, so I, we're we're gonna figure that out in the coming weeks. Uh, but if you can, ignore that for now. Uh, if you guys did not know, we have multiple podcasts. Uh, you guys can find all of those on our website, thewhatnots.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys can also find us on your podcasting platform of choice. Just type in the whatnots, and all of our shows will pop up right there for you. Uh, if you like what we do. 
patreon.com slash the whatnots is where you can find us and support us uh, mm-hmm. for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, and normally, you guys can get access to the live streams of this show. Uh, today, we're having s- s- multiple technical yeah. difficulties. YouTube well, was not uh, cooperating with us, so no live stream of this one. But normally, you can catch the live streams of this on YouTube if you pay us a dollar a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a bunch of exclusive content uh, that you guys can find, not ju- just from the review show, but from the captain's log as well, and some of our uh, uh, other shows down the road as well. Mm. Uh, we would like to give a big shout out to all of our Patreon supporters, but especially to those at our $5 tier. So thank you, Sam, and thank you, Christine, thank uh, you. for helping us out. And keeping the mics on. But I think that's it. Damn. keeping. Sufficiently so let's, kept. Uh, let's see if the spoiler alert thing is working. Today. Oh, hey. It worked. Oh, good. There you go. I should probably do the social media stuff, too. See if that works. Hey. There you go. Hmm. My st- stream deck thing is not working with... OBS right now because I oh. have a test build because I'm on a Mac and mm-hmm. OBS does not work on a Mac right now because they updated to Catalina and it broke everything. <laughs> computer problems. <laughs> There's a gremlin inside my computer. Yeah, it's, like it's that's screwing everything up. That's it's very apt actually that we are having technical difficulties because both of these movies are about inventions going wrong. It's not really yeah. the major theme, but it's like this running subplot in both of them that like I'm a genius. Look what I've made. What a great thing. And then like the people who actually have to use the item are like, "Okay, all right, I have to touch this." Very carefully, or it will break in my hands. <laughs> yeah, or just like, oh, if it's not American-made, they put these little monsters in there, and it screws everything up. <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar with the history of the concept of a gremlin overall, prior to these no, films? I'm not. A gremlin, uh, I learned that this term was originally coined by Roald Dahl. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it was used to, it was kind of like um. Oh, like a, a fun, winky piece of folklore during, like, the world wars that, like, when something was, like, you know, you're in your fighter plane and everything should be going right, but something's not working. Like, oh, there's a little gremlin in there. And in some interpretations, it's like, oh, the Germans put the gremlin in there. The Japanese put the gremlin in there or whatever, you know. I was going to say, it sounds an awful lot like Kremlin. Hmm. <laughs> I, I don't I, I don't know what that means. I sure. don't know ex- oh it, um No, I didn't read about the etymology of the term gremlin, but the term mogwai is I think Chinese for like monster or demon or devil. It's Cantonese for Thank you. devil. I see that right here on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the the concept of a gremlin. This had already existed in kind of the world's, or at least American culture, like this was a term people had heard of. And mm-hmm. then uh, Chris Columbus wrote the story about, okay, what is a gremlin and what could it do to just like an everyday person's life? Yeah. It's it's really 
funny because as I was thinking about this, like most Christmas movies and stuff are about like family and giving gifts mm-hmm. and just like the overall niceties of the holiday time, mm-hmm. right? And like, oh, you should love your neighbor, even though he's a drunk and slightly <laughs> racist. Uh, <laughs> you know, like you mm-hmm. should you j- just be nice to him this one time, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then at the same time, Christmas has kind of transformed, especially in a more modern day where it, it is a very capitalist focused holiday <laughs> buy these gifts sales buy all of the stuff buy yourself something um and this is kind of the opposite head of 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 that where like here's this one gift that's not really a gift you kind of mm-hmm. stole it slash yeah the it. old man did not want to sell it to him and it's just the old man's grandson who's like Listen, dude, like, Grandpa's this crazy old man, you know, he never sells anything in this place. Take the Mogwai. I will take your money from you. Yeah. You obviously have money. I, I want it. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but yeah, it like, it's this thing of, like, he had to have the Mogwai, mm-hmm. right? The kid was like, I have to have that money. Uh, and then they, they get this thing, and it just, it starts ruining everything everything it Mm -hmm. starts destroying things it starts creating chaos and once once there's multiple of these gremlins like they all just want to go to the movies and consume tv and content it 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 is this like gremlins this hyper content consumers right yeah they like they just want to like look into their eyes are not you also a gremlin (laughs) <laughs> are you not entertained um but like it, it's this idea of just w- 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 wanting to constantly consume and mm-hmm. and have new things and and do that stuff and it's ruining them and so it's this like anti-capitalist film <laughs> propaganda <laughs> thank you for coming to my ted talk i don't know if it's quite all that because we see that gizmo also like loves tv he loves movies and i think there's uh and like he stays good the whole time like he uses movies to his advantage he sees rambo on tv once and he's like when he's scared like when it's him versus all these other gremlins he's like yes he's like (laughs) i have a role model i can step up i have inspiration to do what i need to do because i saw this hero on tv (laughs) Yeah. What I really appreciate about this these movies is that there's it is satirical, but it has enough of the sense of wonder and delight about it that it never feels cynical. Like Billy's dad, he's trying to sell all of these crackpot inventions that he's made. He's like trying to get mm-hmm. in on it seems like the as seen on TV solve it all gadget kind of market. But yeah. you can tell, like, he's not doing it for the money. He's doing it because he loves to invent. He is delighted by just making something. And, like, he takes great mm-hmm. pride in his salesmanship. Like, sitting down and giving somebody, like, the whole spiel, like, he loves to do. He enjoys it. Not necessarily what it brings to him, but just the actual act of it in and of itself. He seems yeah. to really like. 
And then in the second movie, we have Daniel Clamp, who is like this major like real estate and media and all kinds of business, this mogul of everything you could be a mogul of. Jeff but Bezos. He, but he has what, this what be like. delight in his eyes. Like he has this sort of childish delight and wonder about everything. Like he's... And he's a little bit more like, oh, I could make a lot of money off of this. But he's also delighted by the thing itself in a way that is really sincere and really genuine. Like, he just lights up at these really mm-hmm. simple delights. And he'll say, like, you know, like, he sees Gizmo and he's like, you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing dolls, little dolls with suction cups that all of Americans can stick on their car windows. I'm seeing a balloon in the Macy's parade. And, like, he's coming up with all of these products but you can tell there's the lunchbox (laughs) exactly but you can tell there's a genuine enjoyment of oh i am delighted to have this new thing in my life and like he has this giant automated building be not necessarily as an act of power like there is some power in it and he has that second in command that really is like the shrewd businessman that's like i am in charge of everything around here and daniel clamps just like Oh, isn't this stuff cool? Look at every, like everything is so shiny to him. He's just like, oh, shiny more than he's like, ah, riches. And <laughs> yeah, I like that nuance to him. It's 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 a pretty real character t- type because mm. a lot. I I don't want to say a lot, but uh, most mm. some. I, I I I don't know the like entrepreneurial. Ugh. I can't say hey, that word. Yeah. Entrepreneurial. Is that, Entrepreneurial. Is that Entrepreneurial. Here we go. I'm I'm yes. I've been having trouble with words. Uh but that that kind of personality t- type, yeah, they o- often do have just this vision of mm-hmm. like I I I can see this whole setting yeah. and it's filled with with lunch boxes and and collectible toys mm-hmm. and all all of this stuff and then the, 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 and then they just go make it. Yeah. And they don't understand what's involved in making it. And <laughs> and and that's it and that's where you see in the second film like mm-hmm. him him just like he makes this masterpiece of of what this new compound is what this new chinatown mm-hmm. building is supposed to look like and it looks fantastic and they're like oh you need to add in these trees and all of that stuff and he's just like i just spent a whole week making this the <laughs> trees aren't gonna help like all of that stuff and he finally adds the adds them in and then someone else is like yeah take the the, the, the those out it's like you can't just take those out like, you have to restart the entire drawing. Like, you, you, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he, he's just like, yeah, just just, just take him out. <laughs> <laughs> Another character who I really like, who I think is great nuance to them, is Marla, who I've always loved. Like, as like a seven-year-old, I'm like, I love these business people. <laughs> and me as a small child was really enamored with business for whatever reason that's what do you want to be when you grow up melissa business <laughs> legitimately <laughs> yes like i think if you asked me when i was like eight years old what i wanted to be when i grew up it was i didn't have her as the example for this but i wanted to be pepper pots 
<laughs> These were my goals. I love Marla because she's got this kind of like femme fatale, not in like a James Bond way, but in like a film noir kind of way, yep. like this kind of femme fatale aspect to her. Like she's very slinky and sultry and she's always smoking the cigarette and she's this high power businesswoman. But there's also this franticness to her. Like it's not like a slow, sexy cigarette smoke it's like she's constantly chain smoking like she talks so fast she's really jittery like she's such a like she's this power woman who's also you can tell terrified that she is not she doesn't have enough power and she won't have a way to get it there's so much fear in her that is like not typically in a character of that type and I like she, that how much of that was on display. Like she's really faking it till she like she's made it so far and uh-huh. is faking it till she makes it further and is nervous about faking it. Yeah. She's like she she feels like she has imposter syndrome mm-hmm. where like she knows she's been faking it and so she's always on guard or like mm-hmm. always on on the lookout for how to make the next step which is kind of why she like immediately wants um i don't remember his name but the big uh the oh the crane dude daniel clamp yes that one (laughs) (laughs) when 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 he when he goes to the the main character and is is like you got what it takes he's Mm. like i like you and then all of a sudden, like she's turning her a, 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 mm. a, a t- attention to him, but like, hey, you want to go on a date with me? Like, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. it's like you you just hated me like two <laughs> seconds ago. Like, and, and she, she has this mindset of like, if I date him, I can further my career, or yes. somehow I can position myself to have more power or mm-hmm. stuff like that. But she's so focused on that that she doesn't see anything around her yes of of like he's actually he's engaged like Mm -hmm. he already has (laughs) someone who is like happily his spouse yes (laughs) and she just doesn't know (laughs) yeah i i also like that when she's trying to like make the moves on him it's like she is continually like pushing the point and like arguing it like well really you should you should go out to dinner with me it's just business honey it's just like she's talking so fast and like she's like trying to prove her own plan to herself and then when kate confronts her about like you took billy out the other night she is completely honest like okay i'm just gonna tell you up front i really did not know like he had a fiance at home i I didn't get to first base i kind of tried but really it was just for business goals and if i'd known i wouldn't have tried it like she's she's like okay i'm coming clean there was i really was not trying to steal your man i just have big business goals yeah (laughs) big business (laughs) yeah business (laughs) um yes so 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 let's Let's talk about Mr. Wing. He's okay. one of the first characters that we meet. He is the the um I don't know if he's actually Chinese. I I think they alluded to him being Chinese in the I film, but believe... I don't know if that's just a 
early 80s film not really knowing yeah just kind of amalgamating an entire continent into one country but i i think he is supposed to be chinese and oh a trivia fact i learned on imdb because i went and learned a bunch of trivia about these two movies the trivia hole is deep on these uh one of the actors they were originally considering for mr wing was mako oh yeah yeah from uh samurai jack and avatar the last airbender Aku. Uh, and he's not he's feed him after midnight. He's also in Conan. The oh, barbarian. Oh, the barbarian. I, I okay. <laughs> yeah. Conan, the barbarian. <laughs> you know the barbarian. <laughs> the business bar, bar- business barbarian. <laughs> now I need to see that. <laughs> They just got to make UHF 2. Right. Uh, No, I remember my dad watching one of those Conan films, and I, like, hear his voice, and I'm like, I know that voice. Is that Uncle Iroh? Where do I know that? It's it's Aku. It's Uncle Iroh. It's... (laughs) I know him. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, so I I thought he was an interesting character, Mister Wing, because mm-hmm. we don't see much of him, uh, but we see him in the in the start of the first film, in the start of the second film, but we see him also at the end of the first. Yeah, film, and that's basically all we see of him. But it's really strange because I felt like the character we saw at the end of the first mm-hmm. film was a very different character than the one that we saw at the start. I, Which, the, like, the one that we see at the start of both of the films mm-hmm. is maybe a little more stereotypical. Yeah. Right? It is like he is this ancient Chinese mystic <laughs> with a long, yes. wispy beard and a, yes. like, foggy eye. And it's like he's smoking a, a pipe and he has this weird shop that's in this underground basement. Yeah. And it, like, he b- barely speaks Mm-hmm. He just look and he like it's like huh, this is really stereotypical. I I like I'm oddly drawn to him. I like him. Yeah, it's but a then great when we performance. See him at the, yeah, but when we see him at the end of the film, like he's speaking in a, in a more American mm-hmm. accent, and he's like, "You guys know what the holidays are all about. This isn't what what the holidays are about. I'm here to tell you the moral of the story." And, and like it's it was so weird to me. I was like, "Who? This is almost a completely different guy." I kind of like that, that he is such a stereotype, and then he shows up at the end and he's like, yes, I speak perfect English, and I understand all of these American cultural things, and I was able to, like, find my way to your house, and yeah. you you took that gremlin. I know you paid my grandson, but I told you you couldn't buy him. I'm taking this Mogwai back home with me. Say goodbye, Gizmo. Here we're going. Like, he's like, no, like, and he's there to do put business, up and he's like really capable and forthright and he's like no this is happening my way yeah and they don't do anything to be like no we bought him you can't take him back like we've had him for a month now he's ours like like any movie about a dog or Mm. or something like that if this was a dog that's exactly what they would do right there would be the relationship between the 
boy and his dog. His name's Billy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Billy. Uh, uh, it, it'd be Billy and his dog, and mm-hmm. they would make this great relationship. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when the uh, owner tries to take him back, he'd be like, but we we had such a great adventure together. Yeah. Like, you can't just take him. And you'd be like, oh, all right, it's Christmas. Like, you can have <laughs> exactly, him, you know. Exactly, yeah. And he's like, no, this is mine. And they're like, okay. Well, I, <laughs> that's it. I guess there's nothing we can do. <laughs> Billy's like, dad. And dad's like, do you have to? And Mr. Wing's like, yes. And they're like, well, we've tried everything. <laughs> yeah, I, like, completely for- I had completely <laughs> forgotten that that's how that movie ended. Like, I knew that Gremlins 2 started with uh, Gizmo is back with Mr. Wing, but I'd forgotten like exactly how that, how that happened. I forgot that Mr. Wing shows up and he's like, I have to take Gizmo back. And they're like, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I had forgotten about the first movie or like never really realized because like I've seen the second one so much. I've watched it recently, like in the last couple years, but like mm-hmm. except for catching a little bit of it on TV, I haven't sat down with the first Gremlins in several years. First off, I knew Billy and Kate as these like adult business people and they are charming. They're a great couple. They look great. You go back to the first movie. I'm like, that is a grade A hunk and babe right there. And they've got (laughs) great chemistry. (laughs) Like the romance, like I didn't realize because this was something I wasn't exactly tracking. Like they're a nice couple in the second movie. They're a great couple in the first movie. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, they, they also, have a, a good the 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 scene where he asks her out yeah. finally is a great scene. Mm-hmm. And in the first movie, Billy Billy and Kate, you think they're both like maybe around college age and they just have jobs there in the small town where they grew up, you know. Maybe they mm-hmm. have gone to college, maybe they haven't, maybe they, you know, they're just sticking around town, they have dreams to get out of there. They're in that kind of ambiguous transitory part of your early twenties. And I yeah. feel like they played that with Billy really well. Like, he seems like he is that age and that he's still sometimes like, Mom, Dad, like, he's like he keeps asking for their help. And I didn't really think about that as a, as a you know, like a seven or eight year old. But, like, having gone through that period, I'm like, yeah, you are still, like, trying to be independent, but, like, really still relying on your parents when you're, like, 23. Mm-hmm. And I like that he's like, uh, Mom? My Mogwai turned into all of these weird cocoons? Mom, I don't know what to do. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I thought they had really, really great chemistry. Um, I would have liked to see more of it, because I, it, it is, it's at odds with itself i think their chemistry was so good that Mm -hmm. i wanted more of it but that's not what these movies are about no really like the whole plot thread of them about to get married uh Mm -hmm. and then he ends up going on this pseudo date with Mm -hmm. his co-worker even though he he doesn't want to and her being like, is he cheating on me? Mm-hmm. Like, if we make it through this, you're in trouble, mister. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they just don't pick that back up. They kind of do, because she confronts Marla about it, and Marla comes yeah. clean, and then she's like, 
okay, okay. I understand yeah. what was happening here. And I also like that Billy was never tempted. And now he and he also wasn't clueless. Like he knows Marla is trying to take me out on a date. I don't want to go. But if I say yes, I can whisk her away and I can distract her from the fact that I have Gizmo hiding mm-hmm. in my desk drawer. He's like, strategically, I have to agree to this date. And then once I'm there, I have to figure out a way to leave. Yeah. But it, like, I kind of would have liked to see them talk about that yeah i'd be like hey so i spoke to marla i i know what happened but what happened (laughs) like how did that even come about (laughs) Mm um like i i would kind of like to see more of of that stuff but that's again like that's not what this film is about it's not what Mm. it's focusing on it's not about their relationship per se i would have liked more Uh, of it and i saw that there was like a lot of stuff they considered for the second movie that didn't get in there like there was going to be a scene at the very end where billy's dad shows up because he's a major part of the first movie but not in the second movie at all there was going to be a final scene where he shows up and he's like hey billy came to town to show you i made this amazing new invention and it's like a little wetsuit that gizmo can wear where he will never get wet again he will stay a mog why we will never have this gremlin problem again and like everything was in line and they're like the script is running too long like we have everything in line to shoot this but we will probably not be able to include it the film's too long (laughs) yeah and i'm sure in the back of their minds they were like what if we want to make a third Mm -hmm. like we don't want him not able to get wet (laughs) i think i've heard talk like every couple years like it'll come up like might make gremlins three and i think it is a a perennial concept i think you could bring the gremlins back at any time and they still really work yeah like i i think all right so i think they're really fucking annoying (laughs) i think that's kind of the point of them yeah but at the same time they're on to something because mm-hmm. again, like I asked, who would win at a fight? Mogwai, Baby Yoda, or a Furby? They all look exactly the same. They're all the exact same things. And the Furbies, that was a huge craze. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it was like after the beanie babies started dying off like what was the next big thing and it was like furbies i think so and yeah lasted like maybe a year something i don't remember exactly and then they came back a couple years ago like you new thir- new furbies with bluetooth technology yeah uh now we really can spy on you secretly <laughs> uh but now we have baby yoda and it's yeah. the exact same thing it's just this small you thing that just makes these like cooing noises and it's yeah. just oh my god <laughs> i want one um and so like they're on to something like that but then they make these ones just so annoying and so ugly and so over the top that it's just like <laughs> i don't want any more of this than there has to be <laughs> <laughs> this is what i like what I find interesting about the gremlins is that they start off and they're just kind of like in the first movie, they start off and they're just like mischievous little goblins. And then they get like kind of bigger and broader and like more self-referential and the things they're doing become more outlandish. Like 
it's yeah. like okay the gremlins are like trying to destroy your house and like eat your mom and whatever like things you would expect from a little scamp of a movie monster like that and it just gets like weirder where they're like well they're all drinking at the bar and they're all playing poker with each other why do they know how to play poker why is there one yeah. wearing a trench coat trying to flash kate like it just becomes like yeah. this weird fun house mirror of like disastrous humans and then like why are they all that's, sitting in the that's movie what theater? i mean of, of like it's this weird like fun house thing mm-hmm. of of a capitalistic society these people just want to consume stuff they are they are rabid they are debaucherous they are like and that that's kind of how we get in a capitalist society we need to have the latest thing we need to buy a pizza because we fucking love pizza right we we need to go (laughs) what's wrong with drink at a bar and buy the pizza i don't i don't see a problem with that one yeah, yeah, but it, it, like, right, but it, like, it's it's in it's so much where it's like, I don't even need to call to order a pizza. I don't need to talk to anyone. I can just hit a button on my phone and it happens, right? Like, I I can get things instantly. I can get things now. I can get five of the things. I can mm-hmm. get five of the things right now. I I, I can do this and that and this and then like it's just this debaucherous. <laughs> Fun house I'm just mirror. picturing you like J. Jonah Jameson picking up a phone and screaming into it, five of the things right now. I want five of the pizzas right now, damn it. <laughs> five pictures of Spider-Man. I want exactly five pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> so help me. <laughs> the, I, the gremlins have like, they have no, like... Gizmo, he is well behaved. <laughs> he, you know, maybe he likes candy and TV like a little bit too much, and Billy kind of has to parent him like, okay, Gizmo, like time to turn it off, go to sleep, whatever. But he's like, he understands moderation of things, and the gremlins do not. They are no conscience, no filter. They're, you know, they are all mm-hmm. id. They are all like raw, primal energy of. Anything I want to do, I am doing right now as big as I possibly can. And, but I like what it does within the narrative of the film where, yeah, they're these, you know, debaucherous little monsters. But like, especially when you get into the second movie, it's just all of these weird tableaus where it's like, are they literally doing this? Like in the second movie where they all like do that old like Busby Berkeley like dance number and they all flash up the cards and all the cards make the face of the lady gremlin. Like, yeah, they organized that. They planned this. Why did all the gremlins want to do this musical number? Like what that turns into how they completely take over the narrative of the film to where it's like in the. Se- OK, there's two versions of the scene in the second movie did you watch how did you watch this because i watched it on a blu-ray i bought um i i i i just rented it on line okay did you get the version of the scene where the film breaks down and they're in a movie theater or the version of the scene where the film breaks down and it's like a home vhs copy uh in the movie theater i got okay hogan Yes, yes, yes. That's what that's what's on my Blu-ray too. 
So there's a part of the movie where, like, it's just a normal scene between, like, Billy and this Christopher Lee mad scientist that is also in the film because Gremlins 2 has everything. And, like, the film kind of, like, cracks and burns and these gremlins pop up. Like, it's supposed to be like, oh, you're in the movie theater and they snuck into the projection booth and they're tearing apart the film and they're making shadow puppets or whatever. And then it cuts (laughs) to the scene where it's, like, a woman and her child walking out of a movie theater and yelling at a, a, um, I was going to say maitre d' concierge, some sort of... (laughs) Some sort of a theater employee, and they're like, you have to fix the movie, put the movie back. And then that guy goes into the movie theater where Hulk Hogan is, and Hulk Hogan just yells at the gremlins, and that yeah, fixes he's like, hey, it. Stop this. And <laughs> it's like, okay, now on with the movie. Like, the gremlins truly derail the entire concept of what a narrative of a film should be. We're just going into this weird cartoonish gremlin tableau land before we get back to the traditional like here are character arcs and act structure and what a scene is supposed to accomplish yeah like they break apart what film is yeah thing but she that the woman and her child also kind of storm out of the the Mm. theater not because not only because yeah yeah gremlins have like stopped the film but because they put on this like old slightly pornographic film on there that like you're very obviously like not seeing the full frame where it's it's like a it's like a documentary volleyball documentary yeah it's like a documentary (laughs) of life in a nudist camp that is like Right on that line between educational and and pornographic, pornographic, yeah. yeah. Which you don't see a, a, a thing, oh, but, no. it, it, but it's it's a thing. Like you know, you're not seeing mm-hmm, the full mm-hmm. thing, but it like she storms out, like you can't show this, you can't do this, <laughs> with her child there. And, then the, and uh, the, the guy has the, to ask Hulk Hogan to yell at the gremlins, and this solves yeah. the problem. Yeah, like <laughs> this is the I, one thing gremlins are scared of: is Hulk Hogan. I just. <sighs> Like anyway. I, I like I said at the start, I can't say I like these films, mm-hmm. but God, it's just it's so wild and it's so cr- cr- crazy that even something like that scene or that like that whole thing that happened mm-hmm. there, it's like that's actually kind of something special. Like yeah. that, like that's actually ca- kind of cool. But it's it's so it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Like, please, Mr. Hulk Hogan, can you save this film? <laughs> can you save Christmas? <laughs> yeah, I I this is what I like. Okay, the first movie is uh kind of a a family like kind of scary, kind of funny action adventure movie with just this kind of weird gruesome kind of twist on it it is a more or less normal movie that is eccentric and the second movie full-on silly yeah it is a full-on comedy uh it's incredibly self-referential there's a whole bunch of visual puns and Mm -hmm. stuff like that like when the gremlin that gets the wings flies out of the building and leaves a hole in the building the hole is the bat symbol from batman because this is a w 
be uh, mm-hmm. uh, owned m- m- movie and it's just like th- like come on you guys can, like <laughs> can i go through some facts for you okay okay so there was on the original like vhs home video release of this film that like theater sequence instead of like the film breaking apart and burning the way like film reels do it turns into this like glitchy staticky like videotape thing and the gremlins mm-hmm. are still there doing shadow puppets but like they're all static or whatever and then it it breaks almost like the the tape is broken and now you're channel surfing through the TV and it cuts to like a news broadcast. It cuts to a John Wayne movie. And now John Wayne is like, now you gremlins better get out of here. And it's like, they filmed new stuff with the gremlins. Like all the gremlin puppets are like dressed as cowboys and like shooting and they are cutting it with like a real John Wayne movie. And then voiceover impersonations of John Wayne from an actor that like John Wayne's son recommended, like, it, whenever somebody needs to replicate my dad's voice, this is my go-to. Like, this is the guy I think sounds the most like my dad. Please use him. That's funny. So, like, John Wayne's son signed off on this bit with John Wayne fighting the gremlins through cutting, like, new gremlins footage and old John Wayne footage. And then That's eventually so it gets back to the movie. That's the replacement for this Hulk Hogan scene. Gremlins 2 also features uh, within one of the t- TV studios in Clamp Towers, there's like a film review show hosted by real movie critic Leonard Malton, who was mm-hmm. friends with the director Joe Dante. Yeah. And he had written like a a poor review of the first Gremlins and like he had apologized to Joe Dante like, Joe, you know, we're friends. I really appreciate you and all I, you do. I, I actually like ag- this one agreed with with, with with the guy he was like this movie is awful it's so bad it like there's there's no structure it's it's chaos and i was like yeah i i i know exactly what you mean and then like they're be, be, be behind him choking him and stuff and i was like that's really funny yeah so like <laughs> Kind of as this joke between friends, Joe Dante, like, wrote Leonard Malton into the movie saying his review of the first movie, and then the gremlins attack him for it. Like, both parties yeah. had such a good sense of humor about it, and Leonard's like, okay, I'll, I'll go do that for you. I think that's fair. You know, I'm happy to be included in this movie from you, uh, the director, yeah. Joe Dante, my friend. I... Just happened to see mm-hmm. this on Wikipedia. Apparently, Gremlins was released in North American theaters June 8th, 1984, the same day as Ghostbusters. Another, I, I am full of Gremlins trivia now. Uh, Ghostbusters outperformed Gremlins. Like, I don't, Gremlins wasn't a disaster or anything. Like, Ghostbusters that. was just that big, except. Ghostbusters was really filmed in New York where it is set and apparently like the citizens of New York were so annoyed by like all the traffic closures and all of the like obstacles that the Ghostbusters shooting had set up that Gremlins performed way better in New York City than Ghostbusters actually did because I guess the like the citizens were like oh like oh I'm already tired of that Ghostbusters thing that messed up my whole commute I'm going to go see Gremlins yeah <laughs> Gremlins 2 has these um uh, Warner Brothers animated bits at the very beginning, at the very end. Like, it starts with, like, the Warner Brothers Shield logo, and, like, yeah. out comes Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, and then, like, if you stay through the end credits, like, Daffy Duck keeps popping up and makes, like, little comments over the end credits, and then at the end, Porky's supposed to come out and do that's all, folks, and, like, Daffy shoves him out of the way, like, you've been doing this for 50 years, I want to do it's it. my turn now. 
And all of that was because this movie came out the 50th anniversary of kind of the premiere of Looney Tunes. And they got legendary animator Chuck Jones out of retirement to animate these Looney Tune bits for this movie. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so much cool behind the scenes stuff. In the first movie, uh, okay, so the town of Kingston Falls that is the same set as Hill Valley from mm-hmm. Back to the Future. When when Billy rides I past familiar. Mm-hmm. When Billy rides past a movie theater, the movies on the marquee are A Boy's Life and Watch the Skies, which were the original working titles for E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. And then, uh, so Billy takes one of the, you know, little sprout out, you know, like a gizmo gets wet and he pops off all of these other, you know, mogwais. He takes one of those to like his old high school science teacher, like, you know, science, can you please like take a look at this thing? I don't know how to learn anything. Like, tell me if there's anything you can figure out. And we see that science teacher showing a film, like an old educational film strip about the heart to his class. That mm-hmm. little film strip, that was directed by Frank Capra, the director of It's a Wonderful Life, clips yeah. of which appear in this movie and in both Home Alone movies because Chris Columbus loves that movie, which is boggling to me just to know that Frank Capra directed an educational film strip about the human heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed, this is just a stupid thing is in that scene i believe it's the first one yeah because it's Mm -hmm. his mom when she's in the kitchen making the food watching it's a wonderful life did you Mm -hmm. notice how much (laughs) onions there are (laughs) she's cutting so much onions like this is more than any family would ever need there's three of them (laughs) It's just, and it, but there, there's just like this massive pile, and she's just like <laughs> b- barely chopping these things as she's watching them. Like she's been doing this all day. It looks like. She's like, this movie is just so sad. Yeah, there's so many great bits of just weird, like not talked about action happening like in the second movie this is something like i've seen the second movie so many times this is something that never totally hit me in the science lab one of those twin scientists has a syringe full of electricity injects the electricity into a piece of cheese feeds the piece of cheese to a rat and then holds a light bulb against the rat and then the light Mm -hmm. bulb lights up yep (laughs) like it's just a weird chain of events yeah, he says something too. He's like, "No one will look at cheese the same ever again." <laughs> and like, There's I remember him talking about like it, I but I rem- like, I never really paid attention to the fact that it's like, why are you injecting electricity into cheese and feeding it to a rat instead of just injecting the rat straight with the electricity? <laughs> like, the point <laughs> is to make electric rats, not electric cheese. Why is there this middleman in here? So weird. I think my favorite joke of the entirety of the second movie, maybe the entirety of the franchise is when somebody pulls the fire alarm at clamp towers. And instead of Mm -hmm. like this alarm bell ringing, you hear this voiceover, like they're playing the recording of this man over the building that just says fire, the untamed element man's oldest mystery, giver of warmth, destroyer of forests. Yes. This building is on fire. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't notice that. Uh, <laughs> There's so much. The, yeah, like, their whole tiny little stuff in these movies. Their whole security thing is wild. Uh, mm-hmm. Just that there's that that scene at the start there, right where where it's it, yeah. it's uh the guy goes to take a smoke break mm. and the camera like there's a security thing like zooms in on him and he has the 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 intercom thing he's like that's not a sanction to break you're fired get out of here mm-hmm. um all of that stuff is wild. Yeah. I want to talk about know, something. <laughs> There's something else I realized about these movies that I've never thought of before. And it's like the uh the Mogwai's relationship with being a carrier of great destruction. Because Gizmo is aware. He knows I can't get wet. It seems like he knows uh, not just like, oh, water will hurt me. Like this somewhere back in his history and this must have happened so that Mr. Wing knows about it too like if I get wet I make these monsters so Gizmo was like afraid of that happening to him of being the carrier of these monsters and Mm -hmm. like you know he's like writhing and screaming when like water drips on him and these little like puff balls of fur come out of his back and then grow into their own mogwais and I'm like this is the first time I think I've ever seen body horror for a non-human entity like because we're really feeling it that like if this happened to a human you know this is very clearly classified under the body horror subgenre of horror like sure. the fly or the thing or whatever and like there is times when a scary thing happens to an animal in a movie like uh in the thing you know those alien worms get into the dog and then the dog morphs but like we we're not really seeing and feeling it from the dog's perspective. We hear the dog whine, but we're not like really set up to empathize with the dog. Mm-hmm. With the gremlins, we feel what Gizmo is feeling. Like we are set up to feel that fear, that like concern, all that pain. Like this is body horror for a non-human entity and I don't think I've ever really encountered that and it's really interesting. Yeah. That's a good point. I I didn't really think of it like that. Maybe they have secret plans for a prequel. I how, how did how did uh, Gizmo figure out that he can't get wet? Yeah, like I like I don't want them to over explain it and kind of metachlorians themselves, but there, I am there very was curious. Also the animated cartoon i know that there was a gremlins like cartoon i don't know how much that goes into the lore or anything like that but oh it says there's one in development it hasn't come out yet gotcha this guy yeah this was a news item from earlier this year gremlins is set to return to screens as an animated tv series uh uh, coming from Warner Media. Warner's turned out some pretty good animated shows recently. Yeah, Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai. Yeah, being produced by Amblin Television, Warner Brothers Animation. Uh, the series will travel back to 1920 Shanghai and revisit Mr. Wing as a little boy. 
and he, uh, you know, his full name is Sam Wing. Nice to know. <laughs> Sam will team with a teenage street thief named L to transport Gizmo, a young Mogwai Sam discovers across the Chinese countryside. Apparently, there will be battles and colorful monsters and spirits from Chinese folklore. The journey is about returning Gizmo to his family and uncovering a legendary treasure. Interesting. There you go. I'd like to see that. I'm glad they're like, I'm glad that Gremlins is in some way still alive because I think it is something that is simple enough that you could, like, you could work with it in any decade. Like, the Gremlins will, the concept of this will still work. And mm-hmm. Warner has turned out within recent years some really great kind of uh, self-aware, slightly meta and like really funny cartoons like Scooby-Doo, A Mystery Incorporated and the Looney mm-hmm. Tunes show. If this isn't in the same vein as those or even going back to like the 90s with Amblin Entertainment and like Tiny Tunes and Animaniacs, like if this is done like that, that could be really fun. There you go. I agree. Probably not for me, since I I was not a fan of these films. But <laughs> it's a little, a little too much. Yeah, I. For me, but I think they are. To me, they almost feel like the proto Deadpool, in that they are like, I have no filter. I am doing anything I want to do. I will break the fourth wall. I will break yeah. every wall. I will destroy the very concept of a film structure around me. I see what you mean. I think they could do well now. Um, um, I like see. them. I got I an had... old, old school soft spot for some gremlins. I had one more thing I wanted to mention, but now I forget what that is as well. My memory has not been doing me any favors today. And that's the weird thing. I usually have a good memory, mm-hmm. but then it's just like immediately once I'm on these podcast my memory goes to shit i have one more like little detail i want to talk about like there's a reference in this movie in gremlins 2 that which i've been watching my whole life that like i just this is so dense with jokes there's jokes i am not getting until like right now here in the year 2019 when i've seen this movie like seven times throughout my life Mm -hmm. and it's when they go to that canadian themed steakhouse which is covered this is where marla takes billy on a date and you can like hear the guy on the intercom go like uh gretzky party a six a your table is ready and like everything is like log cabin and like there's stuffed moose heads all over the place and the waiters are like like, right on their on their table that they have to like talk around (laughs) the waiter's just like a mountie and he wheels up a giant chocolate moose moose and he says may i cut you a slice of antler in the like right before the scene cuts you can hear the song starting to play in the background it is (laughs) can it's um if i could read your mind by the canadian singer songwriter gordon lightfoot who is another childhood favorite of mine I love Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> I knew this song when I was a kid and like I just never listened close enough. It's not like until 20 years later, more than 20 years later, I'm like, oh, Gordon Lightfoot's in this. They really put so much work into making the most Canadian restaurant possible. That's funny. <laughs> 
There you go. Uh, well, this was not a horror film. No. Like I thought it was when I was a <laughs> wee lad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was It was an interesting watch. It's yeah. one of those things that's like, I I can see that they're on to something. Mm-hmm. In 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 the sense that they are making something that they can easily merchandise, yeah, as well as like they can do anything they want with this. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's not like they're beholden to some kind of story thread. Oh, we need to get all six of the Infinity Stones. And it's just like <laughs> they can do whatever they just. If these things get out, it's chaos. Yep, that's all it is. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like, you can, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean you can keep doing it over and over again, but it's still like, when you do, you're not beholden to, oh, well, we we have to continue this one story mm. or stuff like that. It's just like, uh-oh, more g- gremlins got out somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, they're onto something. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> I think that's about it. I think that's do, about all I have to say. Do you have gremlins. any recommendations based on gremlins? Oh, man. Uh, based on this, just wild and crazy stuff. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering how similar this stuff, or I... I guess if they took inspiration from this but the rabbits tv shows i think they're oh. more big in france the closest thing we have here in america is the minions from despicable me also french right yeah uh but but yeah guys like the the chaos the gibberish that they mm-hmm. do, like, if if you're wanting something else like that, that maybe not is as disgusting looking or or something, right? Like, if, if you're, you're like, hey, I liked the gremlins mm-hmm. growing up. Now, I have a young child. I don't necessarily want to show them this body horror stuff happening here. Uh, yeah, something like the Minions... I can't believe you're comparing the be. Gremlins to the Minions. This is a, a crime. No, in my they're like this. It's the same type of thing. It's it's it's, it's a Furby. It's Baby Yoda. <laughs> hey, you compared them to Deadpool. <laughs> I, I think it tracks closer. Uh, I'd say that these movies remind, tone wise, they remind me a lot of something we've covered on the show before. Another childhood favorite of mine, Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, if I, you... actually that is that is something that I thought mm. of, especially at the start of the film, where it's mm. like downtown in, in the yeah. shops, and he buys this strange gift mm. from some strange person, and then things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, mysterious creature from outer space. Are there weird rules I have to play by? It's great puppet work, really great cast, interesting cameos. It's got that same kind of, like, odd sense of humor and just, like, weird little details through the whole thing. I love 
both of those movies. The, I think the Gremlin series and Little Shop of Horrors were very formulative shop, to me as a kid. And if you want a Christmas movie like these, uh, this is a movie I've pitched to you twice and you haven't picked it. It is Scrooged. Okay. The uh, 1980s contemporary tale where Bill Murray is a cable TV exec playing the role of Scrooge and being visited by all these ghosts. It's also got like amazing practical effects, you know, kind of some poverty work, really cool special effects makeup on these ghosts. Similarly, just like packed with really great performances, big and small. It's got that big like big crazy like 80s conglomerate tower look that I loved in Gremlins too. It also has John Glover who played Daniel Clamp. He plays like okay. Bill Murray's rival TV exec. It, like you know gotcha. the guy who might take over his position in Scrooge and he's got that same thing where he's like he is a powerful threatening businessman but is really just like this wide-eyed boy who's excited to like work on a shiny cool project and like he's like being really smarmy like without intending to do so like they're really neat performances to watch like back like he is the guy for that he's so good okay. at both of these movies good stuff mm, and good it's stuff. a really like a truer heartwarming sincere christmas family tale Okay. Cool. I think that's some good recommendations. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I, I I guess one last little bit of housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Next week is going to be our last episode of the year. Yes. Episode eighty-eight. Uh, I'm gonna do my p- pitches for that in just a bit here. Uh, but just be aware that we are taking the last two weeks of the year. Mm-hmm. off so uh be looking forward to our episode next week we're also going to be doing uh a retrospective that's yes. what we do every year end of the, it's an end of the year celebration uh where we can look back uh as the whatnots and just be like hey we we made some neat stuff <laughs> sure did um so be on the lookout for that as well mm-hmm uh, and I think to kind of tease some stuff, Ooh. there might be some changes coming to the uh, the review show here in the new year that yeah. I, I think we're both really excited yeah, about. Yeah, so there will be more details. The f- yeah, we may shake up that. the format just a little bit, try and tackle content a little bit differently. Yeah, so uh, we'll give more details mm. on that uh in the retrospective mm-hmm. i'm sure uh but be on the lookout for all of that stuff mm-hmm. down the road melissa yes are you ready for my pitches yes what do you have uh i also have three holiday p- oh. pitches as is kind of tradition and i know you're um, not a big christmas movie guy so thank you for playing really. along <laughs> Uh, I, I still like to do something kind of holiday related. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that's n- 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 nice, but uh, yeah, not a big holiday movie fan. But then holiday comics, there's not much of them out there or they're mm-hmm. harder to find. Yeah. You know, but that is what I have Ooh. this time. Three holiday comics okay. that we can pick from. 
The first one is called Klaus. It's ah. written by Grant Morrison oh. and art by Dan Mora. And the synopsis, according to the Boom Studios website, says he's a myth. He's a legend. He's loved worldwide by children and adults alike. But does anyone truly know the origins of Santa? Set in a dark, fantastic past of myth and magic, Klaus tells the origin story of Santa Claus. It's the tale of one man and his wolf against a totalitarian state and the ancient evil that sustains it. (laughs) Okay. This is going to be fantastic. Uh, Apparently, he's pulling on more like Viking myth and some of the lesser known Santa mythology out there. Okay. I don't know. Uh, so that's pitch number one. That is Klaus. There you go. And that's uh, only one volume. There's a couple of one shots out there okay. after that. But it's just that one volume. Pitch number two. Uh-huh. The Last Christmas. Ugh. And this is also a comic book uh, by Jerry Duggan and Brian Hosean? Oh, the team sure that brought to... us Deadpool. Exactly. Uh, with art by Rick Remender. Um, this, the synopsis, according to the Image Comics website, says, The writers behind the hit series Deadpool present the sad, funny, and true story of Santa Claus after the apocalypse. Oh! After tragedy strikes the North Pole, Santa turns his back on humanity and gives up on Christmas. Even though the world has been completely overrun by naughty men, there's still one boy who believes in Santa. But that could uh but could that be the biggest mistake of his life? Enjoy this modern action comedy Christmas classic in hardcover for the first time. Blah 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 blah. blah. We don't need to read all that. So, <laughs> post-apocalyptic Santa. <laughs> I have a question for you. Is naughty men capitalized? Is that a proper noun? No. Okay. It's not. Okay. Uh, but that that would be really funny if it was. Uh, but that is also one volume as well. So that should be pretty funny. <laughs> Pitch number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've pitched this before. This is one of the ones that come up when you're like, what mm-hmm. Christmas comics are out there? Uh, this is Batman Noel. Ah. And this is a retelling of Charles Dickens's cl- classic 1843 novella, A Christmas Carol, featuring Batman as Scrooge. Interesting. <laughs> um, so it's let's see, uh, and features characters from both uh, Dickens and Batman's <laughs> mythos. Uh, Finally, we get the Penguin and Mister Fezziwig, the team up I've been wanting. Uh, let's see. The first part of the plot, according to the Wikipedia page, 
During winter in Gotham's Headley, a financially struggling man named Bob picks up a package full of money from a trash can. It is implied he is delivering the money uh, as a bagman for the Joker. Almost immediately, Batman, <sighs> referred, to, referred to as Scrooge by the narrator, drops from above, attacks Bob, and demands to know where the Joker is. <laughs> you might have heard me just this- make a disappointed noise. While we were talking about it, I went to IMDb to look up when the Batman is coming out. It's 2021. Uh-huh. I'm not going to get it this next yeah. year. Yeah, no. I'm just disappointed. Uh, Batman Noel is written and drawn by Lee Bermejo. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys wanted to know who made that one. So there you go. Pitch number one is a comic book named Klaus by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora. It is the secret dark origin story of Santa. Pitch number two is the last Christmas, a post-apocalyptic Christmas story in which only one young child still believes in Santa. Can he save Christmas? Uh, And then pitch number three, Batman Noel, in which Batman is Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) These are three very good pitches. And I know we covered... I'm amazed that Grant Morrison has written two weird Christmas tales. Everything he writes is weird. Oh, that's right. We did Happy That was how we ended last year. That's right. (laughs) I forgot that he made that show. I I feel like I'm almost still recovering from Happy. (laughs) Happy Happy is a a lot. lot. It's a lot. I'm I'm intrigued by all of these, but I think I'm going to go with The Last Christmas because I don't like post-apocalyptic stories. It's a real turnoff for me, but putting okay. Santa in a post-apocalyptic story has me intrigued. I want to see how this plays out, and I don't think I've read the Deadpool run from Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan, but I I know it is very good, and I've known some okay. of Brian Posehn's other comedy works, and I think he's funny. And also, if I pick this one, this may prevent future post-apocalyptic things. You'll, like, you'll try and draw me out again. And I'm like, no, Kyle, remember once I did pick a post-apocalyptic story. So I've done my due. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There we go. So next week, the last c- Christmas on the last episode of the review show yes. for 2019. Uh, be on the lookout. For that, we will be back with that next week. Melissa, mm-hmm. where can the people find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. Uh, come talk to me about Gremlins and Gremlins 2. I own a Gremlins 2 movie poster. <laughs> it sits above my movie shelf. <laughs> so I might have to take a picture of that soon to prove my, my true Gremlins 2 love. There you go. Uh, you guys can find me at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you guys want to stay up to date with us here at The Whatnots, we are at The Whatnots on Twitter. Go like, share, subscribe, 
leave us a kind review if you have some nice words to mm -hmm. say those can always help and we don't have very many of them that would be a great christmas present yes. to us go go review our show our show or just go rate us five stars or something recommend us uh, to a friend I'm, I'm sure we have yeah. at least one episode for anybody you could know yeah yeah exactly we, we always have something for everyone mm-hmm um that being said this has been episode 87 of the whatnots review show we are gonna get out of here we yeah. will see you next time Bye. Bye.